Hey, Jordan Harbinger here from The Art of Charm. Welcome to Minnesota Monday, your weekly shot of personal development espresso. Happy to be here with you, kicking off the week with something quick and actionable that you can implement right away that'll make you more magnetic and effective. Today we're back with my friend Robin Dreek. He was on the show just recently discussing some of that super secret spy stuff that he does over at the FBI. Today we're going to talk about first meetings. Of course, something that counterintelligence and intelligence agents do all the time are set up meetings with people. And he's got some cool tricks to keep in mind that you can use during your regular meetings that aren't with spies and other forms of intrigue. Here we go with Robin Drake. So, Robin, you got a lot of spy stuff going on in the code of trust or or anti-spy stuff maybe. (laughs) And one set of skills that I found extremely interesting in part because you see it in movies all the time, too, is first meetings. You've got a lot of protocol for setting up a meeting with a, with a potential asset or connection, and I would love to go over some of how you do that. The first thing that comes to mind that you said was know their generation, which I thought was interesting. What's going on there? Knowing someone's generation, it, it, it's a part of a whole. You know, it's a part of the whole of how they see the life, uh, their life through their optic. You know, because generationally, you know, affects how we see the world for the rest of our lives. You know, things that happen to us between the ages of nine and nineteen. You know, they make an imprint because our prefrontal lobe and the brain is not fully formed, and all the emotional impulses we have. So it forms how we see the world. You know, like baby boomers born nineteen forty-five to sixty-five. You know, things that affected them were Kennedy assassination, moon landing, Martin Luther King, Vietnam War. You know, the way they see the world is about uh, structure, organization, um, processes and procedures. Um, they're very, very um, social generation, but they honor uh, people's rank and hierarchy and structure a lot. Moves at a time reflect this as well. You know, it's always with the John Wayne kind of guy coming in to save the day. You move it up to the Xers, you know, born 65 to 85, roughly. You know, we're, we're the generation, because I'm a 68 guy, you know, we're the generation that's edgy skepticism because, you know, we had Challenger Explosion, Watergate, uh, Iran-Contra Fair, Iran hostage situation, oil embargoes, hardest economic time since the Great Depression. You know, so we saw nothing but failure of government institutions and organizations. So movies that reflected how we see the world were, um, you know, Home Alone, War Games, Red Dawn, um, Breakfast Club, basically all the movies where the teenagers got it because we thought our parents were morons. And then you bring it up to the millennials, you know, born um, 85 to 2000, roughly. And so is 9-11, the war on terror, economics and all that. That affected them. And so when you understand someone's generation and how they see the world and in particular how they see relationships through that optic, it really goes a long way, especially with millennials, because millennials, they they have formed such deep relationships with with older individuals in their lives, whether it's parents or teachers, mentors and guides, even though it's a very young generation, obviously, but they have formed much closer bonds than other generations have because they honor that structure, organizational hierarchy. But millennials, they're very um, they're very homogeneous. It's very flat organizations to them. And so uh, just understanding how people see the world through those optics so you can communicate in a way that they want to be communicated with really goes a long way. There's so much there that that could be its own Minnesota Monday, but I'm not going to let it go there because I got to ask, what's up with wearing, what's up with the Darth Vader watch? Yep. What's going on there? <laughs> yep. That's super cool and, and funny. That, that's, a, that's a funny story. It, um, you got to keep a truth. Uh, and truth be told, you know, when I did the first meeting in New York, you know, I literally my, my kids for Father's Day generally so my wife doesn't ride rain on them. They give me whatever they want. And so I've gotten pogo sticks. I've gotten skateboards. And that year I got a Darth Vader watch and I happened to be wearing it that day. And it made a big impact because, you know, the guy had the kids as well and he was reminiscing about his kids. And so anytime basically the the, th- the theme of that is, you know, it's 
you know, we use the word props, but props, you don't want to be fake about it. It's got to be real to you because you're trying to build genuine affiliation and trust. And so anything you can do that you actually have a, as a part of your life where you think you can build affiliation through a commonality, wh- why not do it? I mean, I, I meet, recently met with someone that had been in the uh, Russian Navy. And I'd never met him before, but, and he'd gone to the Russian Naval Academy. And I said, wow. I said, I've never met anyone like that before. I said, I've been to the United States Naval Academy. It's where I graduated from. So at our first meeting, I brought him a collar emblem from my collar from my senior year at the Naval Academy uh, as a gift for his time. Um, and because it just, I just wanted to build something off affiliation, you know? And so we had a commonality. We had a common background of going to a service academy. So yeah, anytime you can do it, and human beings do it naturally all the time, but if you can do it consciously, you you just raise that ability to inspire trust a little quicker and i noticed that you let other people schedule the time of the meeting even if you have to reject the first few offers of time what's the psychology behind that first of all valuing someone's time is one of the most important things you can do because time people don't have to give it to you and so i I honor time with other individuals as much as i possibly can and, and i appreciate it i value it and I don't want to take it for granted and I don't want to waste it. Um, so that's the first reason I do it. And the second reason is because when you empower people with choice, again, that's one of my four anchors of, of communication. When you give someone a choice, you're demonstrating value and that they have value. And so even if you got to reject it because your own schedule can't accommodate it, what you're saying is I value you and your time more than I value mine. Um, and so I want to honor it and give you choices and how you want to interact. And you bring some some object or book or whatever to kill time when you're early, but you don't wait at their office or the place where you're going to meet them necessarily. Why is that? It's, it's funny. We want to do that because we're trying to maybe in some circumstances, you know, demonstrate our, our, our passion for what it is we're trying to do or talk about. But what you're really doing is who's that really about? Is that about you or about them? All right. You're actually there early because you, yeah, you want to get, you want to get this thing underway for your reasons or you're early. And so you don't want to waste your time. And so you want to sit in there and you want to put pressure on them. And ultimately, when you're doing that, who's it about? It's about you. And so wait in the car, you know, wait somewhere else, bring something, kill your time. You know, now, if it's appropriate to be a couple minutes early, fine, but don't be sitting there 10, 20, 15 minutes. It just it's it's bad form because it's completely about you. Right. So you put pressure on them and then they think, oh, now I got to rush because he's in the lobby waiting. And then that shows up into this sort of subconscious resistance. Sure. And resistance, maybe a little resentment um, that maybe had to cut another meeting short to accommodate you. I mean, it just it just leaves a real sour taste because there's nothing positive going on in their brain when you do something like that. For the full show with Robin Dreek, with lots more just like this, check out the episode on the Art of Charm podcast that just aired recently here. That link is in the show notes. Also, let me know how this goes over the next few weeks and months as you integrate this into your life. Tweet at me at The Art of Charm and let us know how this is working out for you. And don't forget about the AOC Challenge. This is designed to help you connect with others, create more productive personal and business relationships, similar to what you've just learned here earlier, step-by-step challenges to help you move forward, and there's a Facebook group with thousands of other AOC family taking the challenge as well. Of course, AJ and I are in there with the rest of the Art of Charm team helping you all move through the challenges. It's really, really cool to see the growth going on in there. It's really amazing, actually. I I love it, and uh, I'd love for you to be a part of it. Text AOC, that's AOC, to 38470, or go to com slash challenge and get rocking on that. All right, everybody, have a great week.